I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a meal delivery plan that is 100% heart-healthy, plant-based, made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100, plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Try Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contract or commitment, and you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order, promo code, capital L, capital Y, capital T, capital Y, yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being. And I have this myself. This saves me time and energy. And I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns. So together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. Sydney asked me, Do you have any tips for avoiding, quote, yoga butt, or what is the difference between sciatica and yoga butt pain? So yoga butt pain is different than sciatica. Yoga butt pain refers to the pain around the ischial tuberosities, which are your sit bones, and that is the top end of the hamstrings. It's called the proximal insertion of the hamstrings. And when the hamstrings come up as a group of muscles, there's three of them, they thin out to be able to insert on bone. So the bone is like a hook. And so the muscle belly has to thin out and that is the tendon. And the tendon has a different composition than the muscle does. So muscle tears are, certainly people get muscle tears in the hamstring lower down and those are painful as well. But there's a lot more blood supply in the muscle, a lot more. that You get a lot more bruising, Um, If you've ever had a muscle strain, there's bruising and swelling because there's just, it's much more vascular. And because of that, it heals quicker. So that kind of 
hamstring tear is different. Yoga butt is referring to the kind of the slow, perhaps wearing down of the hamstring tendon to a point that it is injured. So I look at it like a violin string. It's like all of a sudden a violin string pops, but it didn't just get there. It's like slowly losing its its strength, its tensile strength. And so why does that happen? Um, it is reported that that area of proximal hamstring strain or pain is very much um, almost isolated into the in the yoga world. It's not... I mean, you can get it in other sports and stuff, but usually it would be something like a traumatic, like falling into a split or something where you're really getting a big pull on it. But in in yoga, it's much more common. And there's this low-grade pain, and sometimes even not just low-grade, if it gets a very big pull, uh, where people actually hear it pop. And trust me, it's not a pleasant sound. That is a very, that's a that's a big deal. So that's a big uh rupture at the musculotendinous junction. But even before that happens, people can get this low-grade pain slash discomfort where they're, they're sitting on their sit bones and then they just feel like that discomfort there. That's called yoga butt. Well, how does that happen? I think mostly how it's happening is repetitive forward folding. If you think of forward folding, so that's when you stand up and you fold over toward the ground, you need to move from the front of your body. So you're folding forward. So the movement has to happen on the front side at the hip joint. That's really where the hip joint moves from the front. And more people tend to move from the back. Not more people, but a lot of times it just becomes a habit. You move first from the back and that could be that you're tipping your tailbone up or that you're rounding the spine, or some version of that. But it's not movement that's coming from the front side. And then it's done a, rep, a number of times pull, that that the, where the spine is not in its neutral position. And so the pull of the tissue that goes from the back of this body, from the spine and the entire back, across the buttocks and down the legs, if you're rounding in the spine in some way or arching in the ribs in some way, it will pull on the the area around the sit bones because that's the lever part. And if you do that over and over again, and there's nothing countering that tension, there's no tension in your glutes, no tension in your hamstrings, it's just a big flop because gravity is taking you down as well. You don't have any kind of construction that is supporting you. So the tension is just pulling and pulling and pulling right on the hamstrings. And over time, that wears them down because there's not any muscular resistance to it. So when people actually do have muscular resistance, like their hamstrings are quote unquote tight, that's great because that's they're getting some inherent stability there. It's the people who are really floppy that I worry about because those are the people who just kind of flop over in forward folds. They don't have any kind of muscle tension in the hamstrings or around the ischial tuberosity and are pulling on that hamstring tendon. And that's called a proximal hamstring strain, which is also known as yoga butt. And it's so common in some particular types of yoga. Vinyasa would be common in, even in Bikram because of the 
exhausting amount of forward folding that is done in an overheated room where you have no perception of true pliability of the tissue. What I mean by that is if it's a hundred and some degrees and you feel heat and your brain senses heat, you automatically feel more mobile just because you're slippery and your, your body's a little heated, but it's not heated much more than the skin. If you go deeper into the muscle and tendon and that surrounding tissue, that is not heated from, from external heat. That is heated from internal heat. And so you're pulling on things thinking that they have more give to them because you're hotter, but they don't. And so a lot of times in Bikram, people say, oh, I went to this class and I couldn't walk to the next day. It was so painful in that area. And they might've pulled the hamstring in that proximal area, doing one of the you know head to the knee poses or something. So it is more common like in Bikram or in hot vinyasa or in a vinyasa flow where you're just doing a repetitive amount of sun salutations without, if, if the person, if the teacher isn't kind of teaching you how to do it well, or you're not listening, or you're just practicing on your own. So what are the ways to avoid yoga butt? Well, first of all, um, if you do have that, all right, that's different again from sciatica, which I'll get to in a minute. If you have yoga butt, you have to strengthen your hamstrings. You have to strengthen your glutes. You have to bend your knees and you have to do this for years. And you have to avoid that straight-legged pull um, on the hamstring because even when it starts to feel better, there there's a weak link there. You know, um, tendons don't repair themselves, so that weak link is there, and you can re-pull it, and it'll be another couple of years. It's just bad news all the way around. <laughs> so avoid it at all costs, and if you have it already. Get used to practicing differently and it's and know in your mind that it's actually going to look different, but it's going to be better for you because you're going to get stronger. When you get yoga, but it's usually because you haven't been strong enough in the body. It, you haven't been supporting yourself enough. You've been pulling, pulling, pulling without a counter pull to it. Now, sciatica is usually originating from the low back and it can be around, but you can come down into your legs, you can have different types of discomfort. You can have numbness or tingling, and you might not have any of that down in the legs. You might just have generalized kind of low back achiness, but usually sciatica is going to have some kind of nerve nerve type of symptom because sciatica, the sciatic is a nerve. So the sciatic nerve is way thicker than our normal nerves. It's, it's large. It's like uh, my friend Kristen Williams, the physical therapist who I have on here and who's on my lit daily, she describes it like it's like rigatoni as compared to like you know tiny little um, fettuccine, you know tiny thin noodle compared to this big one. So the sciatic nerve is big, and it runs underneath some of the gluteal muscles that are really proximal to the pelvis, like the piriformis. So sometimes the piriformis is blamed and it's called piriformis syndrome um, because it's pressing, can compress on the sciatic nerve. And there's, sciatica is kind of a junk term, meaning it's an umbrella term. There's a lot of different symptoms. And I think what you need to look at more is like what movements cause that feeling of sciatica, whether it's pain, numbness, tingling, and then core strengthening is huge, huge amount of core strengthening because sciatica is often coming from a weakness in the core and excessive mobility in the lumbosacral area, 
as opposed to movement in the hip again. So again, it comes from movement more in the back than movement at the hip. For both of these, you can think of it like this. If you can move in your hip joint with a very stiff spine, you could probably uh, mostly avoid those two things as, as well as a host of other things. So the stiff spine, stiffened spine is, is kind of a physical therapy or kinematic term. It's, it's really holding the core strong. It's holding yourself together and not allowing the movement at the spine, but moving in the hips. And that will support your low back. It'll also support uh, your hamstrings. But work your glutes, glute strengthening. Glutes are part of the core. Pelvic floor, abdominals, and posterior um, muscles of the back are also going to help all of the, the those two symptoms. Okay, I'm going to take one more question that actually kind of uh, segues a little bit from this last one, and it has to do with um, XO Christer asks, any thoughts on hypopressive fitness as it relates to core strengthening? So if you're not familiar with hypopressive fitness, what it actually um, involves is in the, in the yoga world, it's kind of a feeling of Uddiyana Bandha. It's instead of doing a traditional curl up, which I don't do anyway in my yoga practice, um, I actually pretty much am in, in educating a form of hypopressive exercise, which is that you're pulling the abdominals together and drawing up the diaphragm. It's, it's that hollow out look. It's an Uddiyana Bandha look. And that is taking the, the pressure from the pelvis, from the base of the pelvic floor and lifting it up. So it's this idea when I talk about lift the pubic bone up, when I talk about drawing the abdominals in and back. So it's not as easy as like just suck your belly in. That's one dimensional. This is really a pulling all the different connections of the diaphragm and the abdominal wall and the psoas, all of these inter work together and the QL, pulling them together and then lifting. So it's like lifting your rib cage out of the bowl, the pelvis. And what that does is it gives you a natural traction for your low back. So imagine you're on the floor. You can try this. These are the two differences between a regular core exercise and hypopressive. So in a regular abdominal core exercise, not in my class, but I'm saying like at the gym or at a fitness class, a more traditional type of curl up, hands are behind your head, maybe the elbows are out and you lift up and you lift up as high as you can. You're trying to get like a lot of your back off the floor and then you come back down. And in the process of doing that, what you're doing is you're pulling your belly in, but you're really rounding in the back. And on the way up by rounding in the back, you often get this like pooch of the abdominals out. So that pooch is pressurizing the abdominals and pushing down the volume goes down into your pelvic floor. So that form of exercise is really not good for anybody, but especially for people with low back pain, with pelvic floor issues, postnatal moms, anything like that. So I don't think it's actually good for anybody, so don't do it. Okay. The hypopressive is really probably good for everyone. And I don't label mine hypopressive. I, I label it, we do breathing exercises, pranayama, in the form of abdominals. And that is done on a retention. So you inhale and you exhale on the way up and then there's no breath. You run out of breath and that running out of breath is allowing the hypopressiveness to happen. So everything draws in, 
and draws back into the back ribs. And then you get that kind of lifting up and underneath the diaphragm. So the diaphragm on either side of your front ribs is underneath there, the little hooks of it. So if you look down at your abdominals and you find when you lift up even a little bit, there is that pooch effect. Start with your head down. The head lifting up is just adding a lever and and some weight. So first get the idea of breathe in, breathe out, and then hold that and hollow out the belly by gathering it all together. Think of it as a a circle that you're gathering in toward the center. It's not just suction belly down. It's everything pulling together and that all lifts up toward your ribs. So you get this real hollowing and it looks like Uddiyana Bandha. And you can do this if you were um, standing and put your hands on your thighs and bend your knees. You tuck your chin in towards your throat and you practice Uddiyana Bandha. That's the same hypopressive exercise is the same thing. And when you do that, you will feel this amazing spread into your back fascia because all of a sudden your front body is really supporting you. Now, how do you take that into your practice, movement practice? Well, you you train it as a separate thing and then you use it, the feeling of it, the reminder of it in a smaller dose in your movement. You know, it's just like if you you learn how to do something and you kind of ramp it up to 90%. Well, then when you start moving in more complex pattern, you don't, you don't hold it in 90%. You have a, a smaller amount of a hold. But that feeling is really to support the structure, the skeleton. And, and as you move in space, that's going to help you. So you're not loading the joints in, um, in any kind of imbalanced way. So I hope that answers your question. I think it's it's a great core practice and it is something that I do. I don't call it again hypopressive because I I don't get into like tucking the underneath the ribs, which I think they do. They really like get under the ribs to get into the diaphragm. Um, I would do that with some of my private clients. Like I, I had a private client and who was postpartum and had a lot of diastasis, a lot of movement in the belly when she was breathing and when she was trying to do any kind of abdominal. So I had to really teach her how to pull that all in and almost give her some space underneath the the rib cage for the diaphragm. And it helped a lot. And it's just like rewiring a different way to breathe and a different way to move. And so they can be great for that. So there you go. There's our Q&A for today. I hope that helped you. Remember, if you ever have any questions, you can write me directly at lara, L-A-R-A at lityoga.com or you can find me on Instagram. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.